Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchon, the Director of Music Ministries. And I'm Cynthia Wilson, the Executive Director for Worship Resources and Director for Liturgical Resources. And during these unprecedented days of physical distancing and leading online worship, our worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that share the challenges of producing online worship and finding ways to help those worshiping with us to stay engaged and to feel connected, even from a distance. In today's episode, our team is going to have a conversation with Dr. Kim Harris on the use of spirituals in the liturgy. Dr. Harris is Assistant Professor of African-American thought and practice in the Department of Theological Studies at Loyola Marymount University. She's a liturgist, a composer, and an expert in spirituals and freedom songs. Among her compositions is Welcome Table, a Mass of Spirituals. Through her research and writing on Servant of God, Sister Thea Bowman, Dr. Harris hopes to highlight the tradition of Black Catholic worship and inspire efforts toward racial justice and reconciliation. And so this morning, we welcome you, Dr. Kim. And I'm just curious, how, you, how are you doing in the midst of COVID? I know that you're having a ball teaching and you're probably doing finals with your students right along through here, right? Yes. Good morning. And I surely am doing finals right now. <laughs> so, but, uh, so I'm doing well, they're a little nervous, but okay. so I'm hello sure. to everybody. I'm in Los Angeles, which is where, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Loyola Marymount is. And it's so good to, but it's good to be with everyone remotely. You know, and I yeah. appreciate the ways that we can get together now that are surely different from what we've done before. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, and Dr. Harris, it's so good to be with you today. And I loved the hymn festival you presented for the Hymn Society a couple of summers ago. And that's how I got to know about you and about your work. And it's so very exciting. And so thank you for being here. Now, your work centers largely on spirituals and freedom songs. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the difference between these two designations. And then I, help I, us. I sure will. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank you. And then uh, part two, help us understand why we should use these songs in our modern worship today. Mm -hmm. Well, it's amazing the way time goes at mm. this point, because it was only last July that I did that uh, presentation for the Hymn Society, and it seems like a zillion years ago. I was supposed <laughs> yes. to be in Atlanta. You know, we were all going to be right. in Atlanta. Right. And when we had to move online, you know, they said, OK, so now, you know, please, let, let's figure out how to uh, how to do this online. Uh, the spirituals, they have been a part of my life from growing up as a young person at that time in my life, I was Presbyterian and my favorite hymn was, uh, let us break bread together on our knees. And I didn't even know 
that it was particularly a spiritual. I just knew it was my favorite. But I was mm-hmm. always curious because, of course, the song goes on to say, when I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, being Presbyterian, I said, now, we're not on our knees during worship. It's not first thing in the morning. Why are we singing that? And that's when I began to learn about songs of faith and freedom, because in school, elementary school, fourth grade, probably, they started saying, well, you know, these songs were used as secret codes during the time of Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and the Underground Railroad. So that's really why they are songs of faith and songs of freedom, because, of course, the people were expressing their their faith in God, their relationship with the divine. But they were also sometimes using it to say, get up early, let's have a secret meeting and we're going to plan an escape. Mm. So they really have all of that intertwined in them. And then, of course, you know, people were continuing to sing those songs. But when we got to the time of the modern civil rights movement, they kept on singing those songs, mm. songs of faith and freedom. But sometimes they would change the words. You know, they'd be singing the weight in the water, weight in the water, children, weight in the water. God's going to trouble the water. But then when they got to the first verse, some of those civil rights activists, they might say, who are those children all dressed in red? God's going to trouble the water. Must be the ones Bob Moses led. God's going to trouble the water. So they were singing about, you know, an amazing civil rights activist and, and educator. You know, so the kinds of ways that our hopes for freedom and the different movements for freedom that have been a part of the African-American experience, they've always been really expressed in those songs. So you might say, why use these old songs you know, for, for modern worship? Well, there are things that are held and expressed in the music that can be helpful to us. I mean, you know, I love, you know, contemporary gospel and the kinds of ways that people are are doing song and and that we really need at this time, but we also need to lament. Mm. And in particular, Mm. these spirituals can help us to lament. Here's one that's been on my heart of late. Uh, Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows but Jesus. Mm. And as I thought about the trial, you know, uh, to, to get justice for George Floyd, and as I thought about that very brave young woman who filmed his, you know, his murder, a yeah. 17-year-old Daniela. Uh, Frazier, as I thought about her, and I thought because of her bravery and the fact mm-hmm. that she took 
Mm-hmm. Those that film on her camera, even as we sing, nobody knows the trouble I see. We can say, yes, well, now somebody does know the trouble we see mm-hmm. in black and brown communities, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. now we can all see that. And it was broadcast. So, you know, those songs, they keep coming back to me again and again. And, and in some ways, they help me organize my thinking. Mm-hmm. And they help my my heart and soul and spirit to cry out, you know, how long, oh Lord, how long? So mm. that's one of the reasons why I think we need to k- keep singing those songs because they can Amen. help us to express a whole range of emotions that we don't always have in some of the more modern songs. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, I'm so glad that you took some time to to sort of lay out Uh, a brief synopsis of the history of these songs, because it's really important to have the backstory Mm. in order to really understand what it was uh, that folks were alluding to with these metaphors, rich, rich metaphors, right? Mm -hmm. And just like you in the fourth grade, uh, there are not only children, but older persons who don't really quite get it because of the metaphorical use. Uh, of language in these spirituals. So thank you for reminding us of these yes. rich histories and this legacy. Uh, so soon you seem to have grasped uh, rich ways uh, to, to utilize these, these songs and this history in uh, present day um, experiences, not only in the church, but you're actually teaching uh, and you, I'm assuming, uh, are you utilizing these as well in the classroom? So can you talk about some of the practices, some of the best practices for how we might use these songs, particularly in worship? Yes. Uh, thank you. My students laugh and I laugh with them because they know that at any moment I can break into song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I really had a particular time. So, uh, you know, at doing that, especially and we're, we've been teaching online now for you know a year and yeah. a half. Right. Uh, you know, so I might be uh, I, I teach a, a course called The Cross and the Lynching Tree. And we mm-hmm. we do, you know, we start with the work of Dr. James Cone. And we do black liberation theology and then we move on to a uh, womanist theology. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it might be that that we're speaking about, uh, you know, Frederick Douglass. And, and in particular, what I find these days is that students don't know some of the basics like the Exodus story. You know, mm-hmm. so I say Moses and Harriet Tubman was called Moses, but they don't necessarily know the songs. Mm-hmm. They don't know the story. So. You know, so then I, then all of a sudden, you know, there I am breaking in the song, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with, the, you know, go down Moses, way down in Egypt, land, tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. So these songs can really give us immediately, you know, that backstory That foundational story about, you know, from Hebrew scriptures about Moses leading his people to freedom. Right. And then they can also help us think about, you know, Harriet Tubman, the Moses of her people leading her people to freedom. Of course. Now, and we can also use those in our in our congregations. Uh, I know one thing that people ask 
many times, they'll say, well, you know, my, my congregation is, you know, a majority white congregation. So can we use those songs? And my answer is, yes, you can. But please, please have the backstory. Right. Use right. the backstory. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, back in the day last year, we might have said, put it in the worship <laughs> bulletin. You know, but you know, we don't have those so much anymore. You know, but if you know, if you're still online, there are times when you can maybe even show a little snippet mm. of, you know, one of the very famous people I had, my my students, I was teaching them about Leontine Price and the way she was saying the spirituals and, mm-hmm. you know, showing them a little bit of Paul Robeson and, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, thinking about Mahalia Jackson and, you know, so we can show them some of the historic people singing these songs and a little bit about it. Or you can just have a blurb like you would have in a mm-hmm. bulletin and share the screen and just think about the backstory and how in the midst of so much trouble, mm-hmm. people were singing because of their heritage, because of what they brought from their African locations and their context and mm-hmm. ways of worship. And then what they incorporated into uh, what, what became then African-American worship and worship in many of our black churches. Mm-hmm. And you can even, I mean, my students, they, they had to watch a little bit of, uh, you know, Dr. Henry Louis Gates and the black church. Oh, you know, right. and they watch a little snippet of that, you know, so there are ways and things that we can do in this time period. So what I'm hearing you say is that we really have to be intentional, um, not only to sing these songs in our varied contexts, um, but also to understand um, where they come from and give a lot of information to people before they sing it so that they can appreciate them. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, I, I and just, let them know also just, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Diana, but to let them know also that, some of what they might do with their choirs, mm-hmm. the, the very arranged spirituals, right? right. You know, mm-hmm. they they come, they are part of the journey along the way of these songs, but they need to think about the original creating communities, mm. enslaved and free African Americans, right. and the way they would sing the song, and right. then think about what you know the incredible Moses Hogan would have done yeah. with this song. Oh, and I skipped over many you know, decades <laughs> right, with that yeah. one. <laughs> you know, but they might be doing some of these, some of these arrangements. Now, of course, you've got to be able to do some technology to, to do an arranged, uh, you know, <laughs> spiritual if you're still online and, and your and your choirs and singing together. But once again, you can show that and mm-hmm. and, and listen with proper permission, of course. We got to go there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can show that and, and, and think about that together. But sometimes to just have a single voice mm-hmm. crying out, mm-hmm. lamenting, which we certainly can do that on Zoom, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> can be very, very powerful and, and very right. effective. Yeah. Right. Well, and I was going to mention that on, on our website, on Discipleship Ministries website, we have the history of hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, such a rich resource of all hymns and songs that uh, from, you know, various times and ages. 
But, and I look at it, I look at the metrics on that and the number one song consistently that I see that people um, go and find out the history of is Wade in the Water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um, it's like week after week after week, it might, it might drop down a little bit at Easter and Christmas, but then it's back up again. Isn't so that uh, something, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but there are some really good places for people to go. Well, right. and you, you're mentioning about, you know, taking the original work and then um, expanding it for choirs or for um, use in a variety of other ways besides a single singing of it in a service. And I understand you have a, a new compositional work, the Welcome Table Mass of Spirituals. Yes. Now, Would you tell it, us it, about it's not that? so new. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is actually the work that came out of my doctoral dissertation ah. uh, in 2013. You know, the years move on. I don't know how I that happened. <laughs> and we lost a whole year just, oh, you know, my. this pandemic year feels Gosh. like it wouldn't happen. But anyway. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Welcome Table Massive Spirituals. Uh, it came out of, of, as I said, my doctoral dissertation. I was working at uh, Union Theological Seminary in New York City. And, I, you know, I love the song so much. And a while back, my, my sister had an idea. She was a music director at one of the Catholic churches in Philadelphia, where, where you know, we grew up. And there were times when what they would do is that they would, they would use one of the parts of the Mass, but they would use, they'd use the official words for the Mass text, like either the you know, holy, 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 or when we eat this bread and drink this cup. And they would then uh, use, they use the official text, but they would use the melody of a spiritual. Mm. And I thought, what a fantastic idea. Now, obviously, there have been times before when those types of things, when uh, a, a popular melody was used with the official words of the text, right. I think, as I was studying that, they called that uh, a parody Mass. Right. That's interesting because even that word parody, we don't use it in that way anymore. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that's been a longstanding tradition in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in various churches. And right. I thought, how could this work uh, to expand? Because uh, my sister and, and their congregation, they, they were just doing it for a couple of the mass parts. And I thought, well, we need to expand it. Mm-hmm. And so in 2012, there was a new translation, a new official English translation for the mass in Roman Catholic churches. And so I thought, well, this is a a good opportunity to do that. And so uh, I worked with M. Roger Holland II, who's really an amazing musician, who at that time was the director of the gospel choir at Union. And we worked together on thinking about spirituals and what, what might work with what part of the mass. Now, and I have to say, and this, this is my shout out to your amazing work, uh, Dr. Cynthia, because we <laughs> had up on the piano stand, we had songs of Zion. Of course you yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> so we would have that sitting up there. And then, you know, we would, we would have, you know, a, one of the collections of spirituals, you know, from uh, James Weldon Johnson. You know, we'd, so we, we'd have a collection of spirituals and songs of Zion. And we're sitting next to each other. And mm-hmm. so we thought, so what? can we do? So just to think about a couple of things that we did, because the idea was that we wanted it, as people were going to sing the parts of the mass, they would in their 
minds and in their spirits also be remembering the spiritual. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for uh, for Eucharistic acclamation uh, and, and the words for, you know, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Mm-hmm. And the melody that we used was... <laughs> When we eat this bread and drink this cup, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Let us break bread together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And so, and, you know, because we know people are going to be hearing that and thinking that. And of course, right. what happens is that when a congregation sings that, if they know that song, right, they, right. Whatever harmonies and melodies they, they oh, have, yeah. and that's fine. You know, oh, that's fine. yes, yes. And the other mm-hmm. one that became the most popular is for the prayer of the faith. And what we use for the melody, I mean, we have everything. We've got, you know, Gloria and Amen and all mm-hmm, that. But mm-hmm. what we use for prayer of the faithful, uh, we use the melody for fix me, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so as a response to, you know, the, the, the prayers that people are saying, then they sing. Oh, hear us. Mm. Oh, oh, hear us. Oh, hear us, hear us, Lord, hear us. I love that. I love that, Kim. You know, and there's, thank you. You know, there's something about that kind of crying out to God. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. fix me, Jesus always brings mm-hmm. us to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And even for people that may not have known the spirituals growing up, many of them, no, that one, no, fix me, Jesus, from uh, from Revelations, from Alvin Ailey. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. they, they of course. saw that. Yeah, yeah. So just a way to keep to keep those songs in our minds and spirits. And what I've appreciated is that uh, this mass and various parts of it have been used in many different contexts and many different mm-hmm. denominations. So mm-hmm. not only in. Catholic churches, but also there are some Methodist churches that have used, you know, just some some of the parts of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, one of the first congregations that did it in its entirety when I was just trying it out. It's an Episcopal church up in Williamstown, Massachusetts. So I appreciate that it has kind of gotten out mm-hmm. there uh, yeah. in the world. Yeah. Right. And let's see. All right. So we're in Easter season. So. I'll give you one, one more example, because I kept trying to think what would be good for the Gloria. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, so so these days I'm, I'm in the Catholic Church and, you know, we're, we're celebrating Easter right on up to Ascension Thursday and and Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we're back to getting to use the Gloria again. And I thought, so what could use? You know, we've got glory to God in the highest. And so I thought of one of the spirituals that often People only use around, uh, <laughs> only, only use on uh, the Sunday before Easter on uh, Palm Sunday. And they think of, you know, Jesus riding in. And so then mm-hmm. they, they're singing, you know, ride on King Jesus, 
Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it's a shame that so many places only use it then. Then, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so here, here's what, what we came up with. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory <laughs> in the highest. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to people of goodwill. And so, you know, wow. so I love to get to sing that because, you know, it's got that the, the triumphal nature. Mm-hmm. It's got ride on King Jesus and it's got words that you could use, you know, all, all anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and the melody goes up on the highest, even that. Uh-huh. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kim, Kim, I just love what you and Roger did with with this piece, because it really it really expanded not only our understanding of this genre, but it gave it life beyond February. Amen. I, I just, I get, I just get so frustrated when um, everybody gets excited about February, mainly because of the use of these spirituals. But with your piece, you've, you're, what you have essentially said to us is, these need to be sung all the time. And when I think, and you, you told the story so fittingly of, of how. Um, these these songs functioned in the civil rights movement and even now Black Lives Matter and, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, man, I just I just know how these these texts make so much sense with all of what's happening in the world. So alongside of the history that which mm-hmm. is past, they now have a new life. And you all have really um, made a contribution to. Uh, the springing back of life in in these songs. And I'm just so excited. What else are you doing? Are you recording anything? What are you doing? So, well, actually, I'm I'm, I'm writing, uh, you know, because now I, I was uh, saying to uh, Dr. Cynthia before we got started that, you know, I, I'm on I'm on the tenure track now. So, you know, so I'm really not writing. So uh, one of the things there is a wonderful book about spirituals that was written in German and there's not a good translation. So one of my colleagues and I, he is, uh, uh, his name is uh, Dr. Daniel Smith Christopher. Mm-hmm. And he is a, uh, you know, a, a Hebrew scripture scholar. Mm-hmm. And he is translating the book on spirituals. Cause I mean, one of his things he loves is the Bible and the blues. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. So, and, but, and he also loves spiritual. So of course, as soon as I got to LMU, we, we immediately connected. Mm-hmm. He's translating the book from German into English. So it'll be good to have that. And then I'm writing uh, some of the text that will go around the book. So I'll let you know when that's coming out. Oh, please uh, do. I will. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so those kinds of things. And then just, you know, continuing to, you know, I've been reviewing some books. I just reviewed uh, a book called Black Lives Matter. Well, it's called Birth of a Movement and it's Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter in the Catholic Church. And that's actually when in that review, when I started thinking about, you know, nobody knows the trouble mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. next book I'll be reviewing is called Reimagining Hagar. And oh, you know, wow. that story, you know, is so much a part of, you know, not only, uh, you know, it's, it's in Jewish context, it's in right, Christian context, right, it's in right, Islamic context. Right. So to think about that. But what I find that happens to me is that I always seem very stuck on my writing until mm-hmm. I sit down and I figure out which spiritual 
Oh, interesting. Feels that it's a part of this. So how I inspire myself to write is to get my songs designed. Oh, that's your doorway. Right. Yeah, I always have that nearby, uh, you know, and then to sing, you know, and, and as I start to sing, when I settle on a spiritual that speaks to me of what I want to say, that's when my writing starts to flow. Wow. And so that seems to be, you know, I dare say my secret superpower, but it's really oh, power that word. comes from the ancestors. It's yes. Like, the ancestors yes. speak to me through the spirituals and then, wow. you know, their energy and their love and their prayers help me to write. <laughs> so, well, you Kim, you, you know that uh, my partner with the Songs of Zion, Dr. Robin McLean, passed this year. And so oh. as you're talking, uh, my, my heart is welling up on the inside. I miss him so, so, so much. Mm. And, um, and I, I was almost tempted to say, when you said that, I was tempted to say, Oh, I can't wait to tell Bobby, you know, I, oh. it was just kind of that mm. natural uh, mm. response. But I'm I'm glad that Bobby's listening. And I know yes. that, he, that he's grinning real big as he's listening to you <laughs> say this is this is the door. This is the portal to what I'm going to do next. I, I just love that. And thank mm. you for sharing that. Oh, you are so welcome. And I, I, I so appreciate the work that you all did together. It you know, it's been a part of my life for so long yeah. that uh, that I just really appreciate it. I, I truly do. Well, I know I know that you are um, rushing back to your students, and I I know for sure they can't wait. <laughs> well, rushing back, back to the next Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just want to say, as to echo Diana's words, we we are thrilled to death that you were able to make time to come and hang out with us today. We're going to, we're going to ask you to, to think about coming back and talking to us some more about the work that you are now doing with your colleague there at the university. But the, mm. thank you. I know that our listeners uh, have really been blessed by uh, your song and your mm. spirit and the work that you continue to do. Yes. And to our listeners, we want to tell you all how much we appreciate you coming along with us in our podcast. We really enjoy your presence. We enjoy your uh, comments. And we hope that this one has been helpful to you. Dr. Kim, would you tell our friends how they can reach you? Uh, yes, they can. Uh, well, you can always write to me at Loyola Marymount University. And there are times when someone will just send a general inquiry and mm -hmm. it, 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 they always get to me. It gets to you. <laughs> it gets to me. Uh, I also have a website, the uh, Dr. Kim Harris. Now there are, there, you know, there are lots of Dr. Kim Harris's around the world. But if you uh, if you type in your your search engine, uh, Dr. Kim Harris, and then put the word music at yes. the end, or put the word liturgy, it'll come right to my website. It comes. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. It does. So, for, so friends, hit her up. And I know that there's something that she said that you have a question about. If, if you don't remember her website, you can always uh, connect us, connect with us, mm -hmm. Discipleship Ministries at umcdiscipleship.org. Let me say that again, umcdiscipleship.org. And you can uh, put your questions in our website, in our portals, and we'll be happy to connect you with Dr. Kim Harris. Tell us what you think about uh, these 
conversations that we continue to have. And uh, send us an email, send us a a message and and tell us what we might do in future podcasts. Mm -hmm. So until next time, we will be praying for all of you and your congregations. We pray that God will continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.